0: Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. God, your word speaks life to us, gives us instruction, tells us of your nature, tells us of your heart, tells us who you are. And God, this morning we pray that you would open up our eyes to hear your word, your name. Amen. All right, that was a lot. of That was real wordy. I get it. And I was reading out of ESV, which I'm not, doesn't flow real natural. I'm an NIV guy. But I like this translation for this. And so let's recap real quick. We've been doing a series. It's called Faith Over Fear. The idea that God wants us to have faith in Him over fear and anything else. The only way we can do that is to trust that God is good and that He wants good things for us even in the midst of, as a song we spoke this morning, there's sometimes pain in the offering. We know people die, bad things happen. Do we have faith that God is good even when those things happen? And that is, and if we do and we can trust God, then we have no fear. Tomorrow i fly out to Orlando. I'm going down to a conference on uh, church revitalization, church planting. And um, one of my biggest, like, it used to never bother flying, never bothered me. Still doesn't. Except for when I fly without my family, then it bugs the snot out of me. I don't like it. Um, I just don't. And you know, we were flying down to uh, somewhere as a family last year, and I was like, okay, well, plane goes down, we're all together. That's all right. I don't like the thought of like not. But if I can trust that God is good, even if that were to happen, they could take care of my and be and then you don't have any fear, right? You, so we you have faith that we're feared. So here's where it started out. It started out in Joshua 1, God telling Joshua, Joshua, Moses is dead. You're taking over. Be strong and courageous because it's not going to be easy. Basically, God's saying, trust me. Have your strength in me. Believe that I'm about to do what I said I'm going to do. We just read the end of it and God did exactly what he said he wanted to do. But before, he told Joshua it's going to not be the easiest thing if you use your own brain. Like if you're using your own intellect, you're using your own um, thought process and your own strategy, it's going to look crazy, but be strong and courageous because I'm going to give you this land. And so that was the message. And then we went from there to joining God. So if you remember, they start to cross over, but before they do, they send spies into the place and they realize that God was already working in a prostitute's heart. That God was already working in her heart, showing her that He was the real and true God. And so they weren't going to bring Yahweh to the people of um, Jericho. He was already there working. And they realized all we're doing is joining God in what He's already doing. And the same is true for us. We're not taking God to any place He's not already at. God is already working. And then, then we went from there to following God. If you remember, they didn't get the reports. Rahab's going to help them and they're going to and they trust in God. And they're going to go for it and they're going to cross the river at flood stage, which seems crazy. But they were to follow God. And even in the word picture of what went into river first, the priest with the Ark of the Covenant it was just this word picture of they were actually physically following God. And the second they stepped foot in that river, the priest stepped foot in that river with the Ark of the Covenant, we had the second splitting of water so that people could cross over. And so they were just supposed to follow God. And then when they got to the other side, they set up stones. You remember the next week we talked about remembering what God has done. And today we, we just read a story about where Joshua set another stone, right? We're going to talk about that, but... We talked about this idea of remembering what God has done because that can sometimes help us because if we forget what God has done, it's easy to pretend that he's not going to be good, right? It's real hard to pretend God's not going to be good if, if you remember he just split the water for you. So when something less daunting than a river at flood stage that you've got a cross comes up in your life, it's easy to not uh, to have faith that God's going to do it. If you remember, he's already done even bigger stuff. <laughs> They conquered their first city, the first city they conquered. And they didn't raise a sword to conquer it. They just had to trust God. God said, just walk around. And so they just walked. And so they had to trust God because guess what the people inside the walls had? Swords. They were ready to go. And God said, just trust me. All I want you to do is walk. And God gave them the victory. The walls fell, and He gave them the victory. And then we see what happens when we have to deal with sin in the community because Achan, they were told not to take anything, destroy it all, even the good stuff, the gold, the donkey. I mean, everything that you could take to to build yourself up and to make yourself a powerful people like a promise I'm going to make. All that stuff, I want you to just totally destroy it. And Achan did. And Achan kept back some things. He kept back a robe. He kept back some gold. He kept back some silver. As a result, they got routed. So people died in the next battle because of Achan's sin. And they realized the sin in the community hurt everybody, not just one person. So they had to deal with that. Actually, we get a picture of that this morning. It's one reason Achan comes up this morning. And then we talk about what it looks like to have obedience to God in all things. Because the very next place, it would have been easy to say, nope, I'm burning it all. Because I already saw it happen to Achan. But God said, take whatever you want. It has nothing to do with the, the gold and silver... The livestock is bad. It has everything to do with, are you going to be obedient to me? And we went from there to this idea of we always have to be praying. Because you remember the next thing they did, they, the people came and fooled them from that, from that one town. Because, and it says there in the scriptures, like they didn't consult God. They thought on their own intellect. And they relied on their own intelligence and their own strategy. And so we learn from that to always pray, to trust God in all things. Even if it's something silly, to trust that God's going to give you the answer. And then now, what we're going to talk about in 22, 23, 24, real briefly, is that what God is teaching us through the Scripture is to have holiness above everything else. To so have His right living, to have His holiness. And God, even through the, through the person and work of Jesus Christ, who, who was God in human flesh, came to us. He said, I want you to be perfect just as me and the Father are perfect. To be holy just as we are holy in some translations. And they realized to have holiness above all else. So let's unpack that. So what happened? Israel was conquered fully the land. God promised it to them. He gave it to them. The half tribe of Manasseh, half the tribe of Manasseh, so there's 12 tribes of Israel, right? I can tell you three of them, Manasseh, Reuben, and Gad. (laughs) Benjamin's one of them. Uh, That's probably about as far as I'm going to get there. Uh, But So Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Manasseh, half of it was split. And they said, we want to stay on that side of the river. And they asked Moses long ago, we can go back to Exodus and read it. But when they were there, they're like, we don't necessarily want to cross over. Can we just settle on this land? And Moses said, yeah, I think that's okay, but here's the deal you're going to make. You're going to go with us and help us conquer the land, and then you can come back and settle. It. So, so two and a half tribes are about to go back. The rest of them remain, they settle on their lands, they're unpacking, everything's good, and then what happens? Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, they get to where they're about to cross over and they think to themselves, if we cross over this big boundary, they're likely to, at some point, just pretend we don't belong with them. Maybe not now. Maybe not even the next generation, but maybe generations after. So here's what we're going to do: we'll construct this big altar. In some translations, said it was towering. They constructed an altar. They said this is going to be a memorial. It's not going to be a functioning altar. It's just going to basically be a statue to remind our people and their people that we belong together. The rest of the tribes, however, misinterpret their deeds. They see what has happened, and they put their own interpretation to it, and they gather up and they're ready for war. Now, we're going to get into why they're so passionate about it, and so this confrontation results. So what does God have to show us? Well, first off, the people of Israel have this passion for holiness, and I think that's good. Because what do they experience? Well, they've experienced two events and it comes up in in this scripture. Those two events were this event at the Peor where Eleazar, uh, excuse me, Phineas, the son of the high priest Eleazar, there's these people doing something they shouldn't be doing. You can go back and read the story. And he gets so passionate about it, he stakes them to the ground while they're in the act. Kills them. What was happening was God was letting evilness i mean now i'm talking about like people were losing their life and getting sick because there was sin in the community and Phineas was so passionate about it he went and they said hey remember when God struck struck us down because of these folks at Peor? we're not having we're not we're not going to deal with that again we're not going to lose any more life because you guys want to sin and you're sitting there thinking to yourself or you may be i was how is that sin Your own interpretation on it Alter. Well, we realize they don't know what they're doing. They're just putting their own interpretation on it. Now they're passionate about the holiness, and that's good. But they're putting their own interpretation on what they're doing without without talking to them first. They're battle. They're geared up. They're ready for battle. Luckily, maybe cooler heads prevailed. Maybe they were just doing their due diligence because they didn't want to be in error in front of God. They sent a delegation first to, to talk to them. Thank goodness. Because what they find out, it's wrong. But you may be thinking, what's the big deal? This is an altar. Well, if you go back to Deuteronomy 12, and we're not going to read Deuteronomy 12 this morning, but if you go back to Deuteronomy 12, in the law of Moses, the Israelites are instructed, there's only going to be one altar that you're going to sacrifice on. So there wasn't like multiple churches, multiple worship services, and multiple whatever. There was just one, and it was the only place it could happen. And wherever they set it, and then at that point, they were a mobile people. And so right now... Um, it is not at the edge of this. In fact, the name of the town, I just read it. It flies out of my brain. Um, in any event, it wasn't there. and But they think they're building an altar to worship on. And so this is how they're interpreting it. But they know they're only supposed to have one, and it's not here. And so they think these people are actually sinning against God because in Deuteronomy 12... Um, it was, they were basically told there's only going to be one altar and it's going to be where Yahweh chooses, where God chooses. And if you don't follow that and you set up multiple ones and you're worshiping kind of whatever it is you want to worship, well, you're going to be treated just like the Canaanites. And so these people were so passionate about holiness, they were not going to allow any sin into their community. The problem was they jumped a gun and they probably sinned a little bit by making some assumptions they shouldn't have made. But they have realized Sin has far reaching effects in the community. And they don't want that. But to continue to be holy, continue, for, to get, for them to continue to be holy, they can't just make assumptions, right? They have to go and they have to find out. They've already made some assumptions. In fact, you read, when, you, when we read Joshua 22, we're getting some attitude from them when they said, hey, what are you guys doing? Don't you remember all this stuff? How could you be now turning? I mean, they're basically accusing them already, and, and we do that a lot of times, right? Like we'll just assume what someone means, or what somebody wants, or what somebody has. You uh, know, you know, I see you know somebody doing something over here, and I just if I don't talk to them and find out why is it you're doing this, what are you doing? Is there a reason behind it? I can just build my own story as to why they did it, right? Well, they're doing that because they want to make me mad. They're doing that because they don't love Jesus. They're doing that because they're in sin and they're not doing the right thing. I mean, I can build any story I want. We do that real often. And um, that was about they were about to bring sin onto their own community by making that own assumption. Luckily, however, they hear them out. And the people said, whoa, 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 whoa. It has nothing to do with that. Here's what it has to do with. We just wanted something so that our descendants would always remember they're a part of you and that your descendants would always remember that that they're a part of you. We want everybody to remember that. We don't ever want to be cut off from the people of God. In fact, they were so passionate about unity together that they were wanting to build this because they understood there was a natural barrier between them. And when they heard it, they understood. They took word back and everybody was satisfied. But it's an important rem- rem- reminder here in scripture, not to not to build our own story. We need to go and we need to talk to each other. We need to hear each other out. We need to know why. Why is your passion this? Why is your actions this? Maybe God's doing something in that person's life that is to be celebrated, not to be talked about, be pushed down, to be thrown out. In fact, there's a there's a book that. I was reading over the last couple of months. It's called The Message of Joshua. It's kind of a, it's kind of a commentary on Joshua. It's kind, it's kind of, you know, uh, it mostly is. It was written by David Firth. And one of the things that he says dealing with this specific thing is the sin of one group affects the whole nation. So they've understood that. And that sin places them all in a situation of rebellion against God. The way God looked at it, just like he did with Achan, one person's sin, it placed them all in rebellion against God. So were passionate about that. This, of course, is why unity in faith is so important. The problem, however, as we shall discover, is that although their theology of sin is correct, so there's this this theology of sin they've come to realize. Sin of one person can affect the whole community. No man is an island of himself. This this, this, uh, theology of sin is correct because the sin of an individual or group does affect the people as whole. It is a truth that is misapplied. They properly recognize the importance of the whole people of God remaining together, but by failing to discover what is actually happening, they misapply the truth. However, before we accuse this group too quickly, we should perhaps note now how the narrator is carefully refrained from giving us more information, meaning that we as readers are likely to be equally as outraged by what seems to have happened. The text thus holds up a mirror to us as readers and reminds us of how easily we can jump to the wrong and possibly damaging conclusions on the basis of limited evidence. Failing to give proper heed to all involved can never be the appropriate way for Christians to resolve disagreement. So there's kind of two things that God is showing us in this section. One is to have a passion for holiness. That was a good we can't misapply that and just assume that other people don't because it's not the way in which we are passionate about it, right? So they have this idea um, that it had these far-reaching effects. To be holy, they must not go to war and have this understanding. But then they realize they've got to have unity in the, in, in the oneness that they have with God and the oneness of the one they worshiped. When we come together from diversity of our backgrounds and confess our underlying unity in the one we worship, then we also shall discover the wonderful truth that God is in our midst. This idea that just because people are different from us, worship different from us, have different thoughts. And this is true when we look at different churches, styles, it's also true within one church. Some people like to stand and raise their hands and clap and sing when I worship. Some people like to be quiet. Some people like to read prayers. Some of you guys thought that was the lamest thing you've ever seen this morning. (laughs) I've been there. I know. I know you all thought that because I remember the first time I sat in church and was doing I was like, what in the world are these people doing? But the unity in the oneness of who it is we worship is singular. That is the most important thing. That is, in fact, the only thing that matters, not in all the things that separate us. But we have found over our lifetime, ways to separate ourselves from everybody else based on these little itty-bitty things. But we need to have oneness and unity wrapped around who it is we worship, not how it is we worship. So the second thing that we learned, not only did they had holiness as being primary, I mean, uh, holiness, um, they had this passion for holiness. The second thing is that they realized holiness has to be primary. And so what happens? The half tribe built altars. They could stay connected to the community as a sign of this. They realize, no, 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 we didn't do this so that we didn't remain holy. We did this so that we did remain holy. Wouldn't anyone forget on either side of the aisle? And then we get to verse tw- chapter, chapter chapter twenty. T- excuse me, I can't even speak right here, Chapter twenty-three, and Joshua basically spends chapter twenty-three reminding the people of Israel, "Remember what God did for you. Remember what God did for you. Don't turn away from God." How many times, I mean, we didn't read the whole thing, but just in a couple of verses we read from 23 and 24, Joshua says it over and over. He addresses them two different times. I mean, chapter 23 and chapter 24 are not the same address to the people of Israel. They're two separate ones. And they're to two groups of people. One is to a smaller group, kind of a representative group. And the second one is basically to everybody. He's like, I'm about to die. I want everybody to hear this words. And he keeps reminding them, this is what God has done. Don't forget what God has done. And don't turn away from God. Putting holiness has to be primary in your life. Do not turn away from God. Make God number one. Make sure that you stay holy before God. And that you don't turn away. There was warning after warning. I'm going to read it again. It's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read it again. The warning in chapter 24 was this: Joshua says, "I'm about to go. I'm about the way of all the earth." And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you that not one word has failed from all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. So remember, all the stuff God promised, He just did it. Not one word wasn't true. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you has been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all evil things until He has destroyed you from all this good land that the Lord your God has given you, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. The anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that He has given you. Joshua reminds him, God's done it all. You've got to keep holiness primary because if you don't, it's all over. He reiterates it again in chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Now fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Remember, to keep this holiness thing primary. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it, whether the gods on your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose who it is that you're going to serve. Whether the gods of your fathers in the region beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites, whose land you dwell, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He does go in to a little bit of the... Um, he does go in a little bit to kind of give them... Like here's what's going to happen if you don't, but that text of scripture basically says, Make your choice. I want you to keep holiness primary. I'm going to remind you again of all the good things you do. But if you don't think it was good that God did this, then make, it, make a decision. Choose who you're going to serve. But Joshua makes it clear as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the people of Israel respond and said, Us too. And so Josh gives them this. He basically draws a line in the sand. He said, Okay, you said it. I didn't put it in your mouth, right? He said, I'm giving him a step over here. I got a little feedback. He said, He said, I didn't put it in your mouth. I told you what I was going to do. He said, I told you, you choose who you're going to serve. This is who I want to serve. And they said, No, no, we want to serve God too. And so he draws a line in the sand. I'll say, Okay, remember this. I'm putting this stone up here. We're going to remember it. Verses uh 19 through 28. But Joshua said to people, you are not able to serve the Lord for He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He's basically saying you're not going to get it right. He will not forgive your sins and your transgressions if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Now, I would have liked it better if he had put but if you do, then he doesn't put that in there. It's in there though. It's implied. That God's going to be faithful. He's going to do the good stuff. But if you don't, it's not going to be good for you. And then Joshua said to the people in verse 23, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. Joshua said, I know they're out there. So just put them away and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, the Lord, your God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. And then he took a large stone and set it up there under the tab- terebinth. I don't know what that is. I'll have to research that, figure out what in the world that thing is. That was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said, All the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words the Lord spoke. All the words of the Lord that he spoke to us, therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with the Lord your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Everybody goes back to settle in. Stones set up for men. I'm reminding you again. Just like those stones over by the river reminding us of God's good things, this stone here is going to be a reminder that you have made this choice to follow God, that you've drawn a line in the sand. It's not going to be a trophy not like all that plunder you took is actually going to stand as a witness against you. You made this choice. No one made it for you. I gave you the opportunity to go, go serve who it is you're going to serve. But if you're making a choice now, this is standing as a witness against you to remember all that God did. And then not only remember all God did, but how to keep holiness at the front of all you do. So he said he wrote it in the book of the law. So it's there with all the other things that God told him to do. Hey, we're gonna we're going we're gonna follow you faithfully. The word of God to us today is that we have to. I mean even that confrontation, it was because they were doing things that they were, you know, they were just making assumptions. But if we're keeping holiness primary, we're not making assumptions about people. We're going directly to those people and talking to them. We're keeping holiness primary. We're not going to forget the good things God's done. We're going to remember them. we're keeping hold in this primary and we're passionate about it, when we see friends, neighbors, loved ones making the wrong choice, we're going to go to them lovingly. Not out of hatred, not out of, I'm better than you, but out of, hey, you're messing up. Remember, there's this stone that stood as a witness against you. You said you're going to choose God and you're not choosing God. And we've got to get this right so that sin doesn't come in your life and destroy you because it can. That's our job as the people of God, to serve God, to help each other along. Because, jo- Josh, we even told him, you can't serve God. It's not in you. But together, we can spur each other on, just like it says uh, in, in the letters that are written in the New Testament right now. It flies over of which one, but we're going to spur each other on to love and to good deeds. That's our job. Not to tear each other down, not to say this person's over here is messing up, so let's all point fingers and talk about how bad they're messing up. It's like, no, we need to spur them on to love and to good deeds. That's why God's given us a, a, a formula on how it is that we deal with these things in the church environment, how, we, how it is we deal with these things in the community. We don't put a big picture of them and just laugh at them all, right? We go to them. We love you, we want to see you doing better messing up. And guess what? I'm going to be messed up at some point. I'm going to need you to do the same thing to me. Because we got to make sure that we're getting there. Because when one of us fails, those who aren't are the people of God look at it and say, yep, yeah, that's it. They failed. It makes us all look weird now. Luckily, God's grace is bigger than all of that. What we want to do is we want to make sure that we're doing what we can do that we can put holiness primary, that we can be passionate about it. And so one of the things we're going to do this morning is we're going to pray as we end this, as we end Joshua, this this kind of reminder of all the good things that God has done. We're going to say some words of the Apostles' Creed saying, no, we believe this. And let there be a stone step saying, no, you said you believed it. Now don't say them if you don't believe them. If you're here this morning, you're not really sure that you believe that, because this is saying we believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of all things, right? But we're going to pray first, and at the end of that prayer, we're going to go into the Apostles' Creed, and I'll kind of start us out. And there's everything. thing, But let that be a stone set up to remind us of all the good things that God has done, and in that reminder, let it also be bear witness against us. To to keep our passion about the holiness, both in ourselves and in our community. Because that is the way the kingdom of God is going to grow and it will affect all of our uh, friends and neighbors, those who we know that don't yet know Jesus. They will come to know Jesus because they will see the embodiment of God living through us and changing us and growing us. And so this morning, with that on our hearts and minds, let us pray. God, we're thankful that you have called us sons and daughters of a king that you have allowed us to share in the blessings of all that you have done God we pray that you would be with us this morning we're thankful for this message from Joshua that you have shown us over these last three months God that we would know all that is all, all the good things you've done May we recount those just like Joshua did and just like Moses did and the people of Israel would remember all the good things. May we remember constantly the good things you've done. Help us to trust you, even when the strategy seems weird, when all you're telling us to do is walk and we really think we need to fight. God, may we trust you to just walk. God, would we be passionate about holiness in our own lives and our community? But God, I'm not so passionate that we don't go and speak one-on-one to have understanding with each other to help grow the community towards unity and oneness. God, we love you. And we pray as we spend a few silent moments here that you would hear the prayers from our hearts. Thank you so much for all that you do for us and all that you show us through your word and your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.